this morning is a, a morning when we honor graduates. We honor graduates from eighth grade. We honor graduates uh, from senior high, from college, and some who are finishing up their post-baccalaureate work. But really this morning what we're doing is we're honoring, stu- we're honoring students' relationship with Jesus. And we're pointing towards what Jesus is doing in their lives. This morning you're going to get to hear from three students who have amazing stories about what Jesus has done in their life. You know, every year we come and do this in June, and every year it gets a little bit harder for me. This is the first class that I spent all four years with uh, as we graduated. And some of the video you saw this morning is from all four years, as we uh, take some of those students and we look at how small they were. Or you look at how small I was back then. And then you get to where I'm at now. Um, in the earlier service, we uh, were behind the podium, and Bryce, our junior high student, when he walked up on the podium, you saw about this much of him from here up, and... Uh, that was easier for him to speak while well, I told him that he wouldn't be able to hide behind uh, this as well. Youth ministry has changed over the last four years as well. With the rise of email, with the rise of instant messaging, cell phones, stricter California driving laws, more traffic, school shootings, and all of those different things, we have had to create a new type of youth ministry. The video that we showed you this morning was long. It was about four minutes long. In the life of a student and in the life of what we do at Bel Air, that's not a long time. If you want to see something that's long, I invite you to come to a junior high all-nighter. You will see what a long time is. Well, the thing about that video that was really neat, the song that I chose, you should have seen them in the first service when that song played. They were up on their chairs just dancing. But uh, I wasn't supposed to say that. Um, They don't want to let you know what they're like. But... The, uh, that song, right after September 11th this year, that song was played on the radio all the time. Um, the song Youth with the Nation by the band P.O.D. P.O.D. stands for Payable on Death. It's a reference to the end times and Judgment Day. And the neat thing about that band is they are deeply committed Christians. But that song was played on all major radio stations. It was in huge play on MTV. And it was a really big song. And it points to what is going on with students. It points to some of the angst that they're feeling. It points to a lot of the pain that they're going through. And it points to a lot of the reason why they need Jesus. Well, the neat thing that uh, we are going to do this morning is we're going to hear from students who do that. Who have really looked to Jesus as the answer. But we want to honor a group of people first before that. We want to honor those people here at Bel Air that have, over the last many, many years of their lives, given up a lot of time to volunteer to be a part of the youth ministries. And so if you have ever been a part of junior high, high school, college, or are currently a part as a volunteer, would you please stand so we can honor you today? It's their heart of service that makes youth ministry in Los Angeles possible. And this is a difficult place to do ministry. But it's through their driving and through their picking up students and their building relationships, which is our best tool to do youth ministry, it's through relationships that you get to see changes that are happening. So I'm going to step down and I'm going to call up a couple students. The first student this morning that will be speaking is Bryce. He's an eighth grader and he told me before the first service he was nervous. And then as we were standing out in the back after the first service, a number of people came up to him and asked him if he was going to run for political office. So I'm not sure what that meant. (laughs) Becky McCook is a senior. She graduated from Notre Dame High School about a week and a half ago and is heading uh, to one of the Pac-10 schools in the fall. Uh, and then Tony is a, a graduate of USC, and she is going to come share a little bit about the college ministry and what that has meant to her. So give Bryce a big hand as he comes on up. 
got too much stuff up here. All right, there we go. This morning, I have the privilege of speaking to you about what Bel Air has taught me. Bel Air has been a huge part of my life now for a few years, and hopefully, in the next few minutes, I will share with you what Bel Air has given me. In my time here, Bel Air has given me way more than wisdom. It has given me lifelong friends, great lessons, and if nothing else, a bunch of great stories. My friends here at school hear all the time about my crazy youth leaders, Brian and Don. And they think it's cool and they say, hey, can I come check it out? And my friends, after they go, they say, I never knew I could learn so much and still have a great time. I think this is what church should always be about, learning but still having some fun in there. My friends come back and they enjoy their time and they start being a part of my church life as well as my school life. I then have people at school and at church to pray for me and hold me accountable. And so my journey begins. I first started coming to Bel Air when I was 11. My family had been without a church for more than two years. And we had been on a search for a church the whole time. That was a little rhyme there. Didn't notice that. (laughs) Throughout our search, we kept hearing about Bel Air Press. So, after attending a few churches, we finally came to Bel Air. In all of its size, an obviously large congregation, we thought it might be hard to find a place in a church so big. Despite Bel Air's large size, it was such an amazing place of God. This is what drew us to come back and then become frequent attenders and then members. And just recently, my parents became deacons. I became as well, became involved as well. I moved into the junior high where I found that the love for God was even greater than in the elementary program. Jason Javot was our leader and welcomed everyone into the junior high and he was amazing. I got to be good friends with him for that first summer and he showed me the way. I went to Hume Lake, a Christian camp in Yosemite, with him and the rest of the junior high, and this is where it all started. This camp showed everything from the basics of Christianity to talking about going out and being a missionary. The lessons and the fun times I had there will stick with me for the rest of my life. After that trip, Jason left the junior high for college, which I'm still not over. I found that even though Jason was gone, the new staff was just as passionate about what they were doing and just love having fun. The junior high, the way the junior high worshipped God was way different than any other church I had been to. The junior high success, I would have to say, is due to the contributions of a few good men and women. First, Brian Devonshire. He came into the group as an intern and just showed us that he loves God so much he couldn't control it. His faith and trust just blew me away. With his faith, faith, Brian led our junior high on a wild ride, from tackling the Old Testament to other religions, and last, to showing up to do worship in a cow suit, udders and all. The whole staff took us and sent us down the right path for Jesus. The work that is done in this church just blows my mind. Don Coleman is another leader I admire. He started at the beginning of this school year. He came in and showed us a great time, although we do make fun of him a little for his accent. He's Canadian. (laughs) He truly did some great things. He brought new ideas and great lessons to us all. Don was the right man for the job. As As I spoke about Jason before, he was my first influence in the church. He brought me to Hume Lake and just nudged me in the right direction. I can't say anything else about these three. They truly work wonders. These guys laid down the most solid foundation and lit a fire inside my soul that I, and that is amazing. This is the way I know I will stay a Christian in high school and beyond. 
with the world outside having standards lower than ever, and then to come up here and find a group of thousands with values unlike any other, I think it brings hope to the city out there. Today's passage, John 15, talks about being the vine of God. It says that the righteous will bear fruit with God, and without God you cannot bear fruit, and your branch will be clipped from the vine. I think John paints a great picture here. If we accept Jesus and love Jesus, we are a part of God's vine, and we will bear fruit together. It also shows that this church is a branch of that belief. That everyone here today is striving towards the same goal, God. With people around you that can help and with faith, the fruit you can bear is enormous. I also strongly believe that this church is saving lives every day. When you look in the bulletin and you see a 20% jump in attendance, it makes me feel good. I just hope that someday the attendance in this church will overflow and the love here will be so much greater than anyone can imagine. Despite all the fun I've had, it's all been, been about the body of believers. That idea was never lost in my mind. Being a branch that produces fruit and being a part of a group that loves God. Thanks. here than there were an hour ago. Um, I started here at Bel Air as a baby. My family has always come here, and it's always been a wonderful place to come. It's my church and my comfort, and as, um, as a child, I came all the way out to Evans Chapel, that tiny little place over there. And um, I remember going to Vacation Bible School. It was my first summer here when I was about eight or nine years old. And it was a huge summer for me. It really impacted me whether I realized it or not at such a young age. But that was the summer that I learned some of the greatest things. That God was in my life for the rest of my life. He was my friend, my God, and support And I could talk to him whenever I needed him because he was always listening to me. He listened day or night, even if it was about some silly thing. And even better, God always forgives us. He forgives for everything, even for the times my brother and I would write fake names on the donation envelopes uh, (laughs) during the homily. You've all done it, I know. That summer was really amazing for me because it had opened a door for me and I realized that I could come to church and I could have fun, not just come on Sundays and get involved with other programs like Vacation Bible School. Um, Later on in fifth and sixth grade, I started coming to um, Fantastic Followers and I loved it. It became part of my weekly routine every Wednesday night. And it, part, it was part of what brought my school life, my school friends and my church friends together. I could actually go to school during the week and tell them about how, fun, how much fun I was having at church. It was a huge part of how, of how Jesus came into my life and just affected the way that I lived. And I took a lesson from fantastic followers every week, and I would try to apply it to my life. 
in some way, big or small. After Fantastic Followers, I um, came into junior high, and this time was a little bit different for me because I was questioning a lot of things. I was questioning Christianity and God, and it was harder for me to get to Sunday school in the mornings. I didn't know as many people, and it was a really intimidating place for me to come. I didn't take advantage of all the amazing opportunities that are offered here, and until high school came along, I didn't get to do that. I went into my freshman year at Notre Dame High School, and my priorities began to change. I met my friend Courtney Collier, and she brought me back to church. She was the one that came here and invited me to come back to the high school group and was telling me how great it was and how much fun she always had and to come to her core group on Wednesday nights. So I did, and I loved it. And I had the best time here every week, twice a week even, you can imagine, at church. And it was a new thing for me, and it was an incredible stability that I had, a new stability in my life. Um, coming to Bash and meeting other kids that were in high school who had such a love for Christ was truly amazing and they inspired me and every person at Bash has just really amazed me. I look up to every single one of them and always will because of what they've done for myself and others and my faith. I watched them sing and celebrate, and I listened to their passionate prayers as the years went by. And <clears throat> I believed all that they did, and I knew all the same things, but I felt that something wasn't there. I was missing that passion for Jesus that many of them had, and I wanted to feel that too. On my first trip to Forest Home, winter camp, I became, I became the Christian that I wanted to be. I prayed for Jesus to come into my heart, and from my lips to God's ears it went. I was filled with joy and passion and a new desire to serve, which was awesome. At Notre Dame, my junior year, the end of my junior year, one of my best friends told me about um, a service trip that one of our teachers had asked him to come on, along with four other students. It was, um, he, all he knew about it was that it was a community service trip out in New Orleans in Louisiana. And that's all I needed to hear. And I wanted to go on this trip so badly that I found out which teacher it was that was going, and I went right to him and made sure that he knew that I desperately wanted to go. And I wasn't able to go at first because all the spots had been filled, but I prayed and hoped, and I ended up getting to go with my friends to this incredible trip that had a huge influence in my life. We went to New Orleans for about five days, and as we got there the first day, we found out that we would be serving at um, an AIDS hospice called, called the Lazarus House. And this was kind of nerve-wracking at first because we didn't really know what we would be doing exactly. But we went there, and it was just amazing. An amazing four days, and... I had I got to spend time with people who were so content with their lives and so at peace with God that they were ready to die any day. 
I could never imagine such a person until I met these amazing people at the Lazarus house. They all had such an intense appreciation for life and everything in it. It made each one of us look at life in a completely different way and appreciate what we have so much more. I saw God in every person there, including my friends and my teachers, and my relationship with God grew so much. I don't thank him enough for that. Now, I've graduated from high school, and that's pretty amazing to me. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And I'm getting ready to go on another missions trip with Bash this summer to Poland. Um... We're going to fly to Berlin to meet the youth group from Niederodowitz, the small town that we'll be working in. And we are going to work on this 350-year-old church that um, we're going to clean up as it's just been renovated. Um, we'll also be doing vacation Bible school for Polish youth there. And this opportunity for me is so incredible, and I'm so very blessed to have it and to go to Poland this summer before I go to college and spend time with my friends and spend time with God and learn more about myself. Now I'm going off to Arizona State in August and I am a little bit nervous. I won't know anyone when I go, but I feel as though I'll be ready for all the responsibilities and pressures that come with college. If I'm not, which is very possible, I know that I am never alone in my worries. I always have someone to talk to and that God forgives. I've been brought up by loving parents and a loving God in an amazing church. I know what I believe in. I know what's right right and wrong. I know what's important to me in my life. And that's as prepared as I'll be for college and leave the rest to God. Thank you. I'm not going to use a podium. I just, I'm more of a note card kind of girl. <laughs> right. <laughs> when I was asked to speak today, I can honestly say that I was divided between two different emotions. The first, total excitement. I'm one of those freaks that actually enjoys public speaking. <laughs> But more importantly, I felt assured. Why, you ask? Well, good question. I'm standing up here today to share my testimony with you because it's exactly what I asked for. Well, maybe not exactly. I didn't wake up one morning and say, hey, JC, how's about letting me have Mark Brew shop for one Sunday? <laughs> Let me just say that when the Lord works in my life, well, he rains, he pours. Case in point. I simply asked for the opportunity to share my testimony with another I tell you this, I've learned that when you ask for something from the Lord of all creation, you better be specific. No, I'm just kidding. But by him honoring my desire to share my story with all of you today, it's one of the the many recent examples of how the Lord assures me that he's working, he is working in my life, and I'm growing in my walk. So as you might expect with testimonies such as this, I I didn't always walk so closely with the Lord. Truthfully, before this past September, actually, I guess, I was only technically a Christian. 
I was never walking with the Lord, but by myself. I read a bulletin, a bulletin board the other day that said, there are no shortcuts to any place worth going. Well, I think God guided me down a long way, down a few short, a few short detours around the Friday 5 o'clock 4 or 5 traffic before I was ready to, to listen to his guidance and turn my eyes from the mirror to him. Let me explain. I used to have, okay, sometimes I still do have a type A-plus personality. By A-plus, I mean I can do literally everything myself type. My friends affectionately call her totalitarian Tony. I naturally give everything in my life 100% of my effort, confidence, and energy. But just until recently, my faith was one of those areas of my life where I didn't seem to grow, especially the first year at USC. From my hometown of Fresno, the armpit of California. <laughs> Sad, I know. I could take care. I could take care of my own, my own life. Why did I need God? I'm just. I just put myself. I just decided to put him on a shelf and pick him up later. Bad decision. It was December before my sophomore year at SC when I started to notice that the more I controlled or tried to control my life, the more out of control it seemed to be. But totalitarian Tony wasn't ready to release her control or her stronghold on the world. Instead. I poured all of my energy into picking and becoming friends with the group of people who I thought were the right group, the in-group. It didn't matter that I didn't click with them. I didn't quite understand why I always felt so tired and drained from the activities and people that I used to get energy from. I fell into a trap of buying things I didn't need with money I didn't have to impress people I didn't like. It happens. I was owned by the world. <laughs> Come on now. I was owned by the world. I gave it my all. And, I, and it gave me, well, nothing. In the process, I completely lost myself. I was so anxious trying to act, try to act and be miss everything to everyone that no one wanted to be around me. Truthfully, I didn't even want to be around myself. By the end of my junior year, I faith-planted into a deep depression. Outwardly, I seemed like the same cheerful Tony. But really, I was in my own personal hell. How do, you, how do you try to explain to someone that you can't remember what makes you happy? Jump into my nightmare, the water is warm, it just it doesn't work. If you take anything away from my message today, take away this little bit of, this little bit of advice I've learned. Rule, it's rule thumb, thumb rule number one, I call it. If the things in your life you used to do well aren't working for you anymore, then the Lord's trying to tell you something. To be honest, I can't remember how or when my turn actually started. By turnaround, I mean starting to pick up the pieces of my disheveled life. But by the end, beginning of my senior year, all I can remember telling myself was, Tone, we're going back to the basics. Just to fill you in a bit, I've been a Christian all my life, but I lacked that relationship with Christ. But I had no idea where to start or maintain, let alone remain in God's word. He was never a priority because I never put, him, I never put, my, faith in the, I put my faith in the world and not in the power of Christ. But being that my life was a bit in shambles, I thought, hey, let's shake things up a bit, try something new. Let's try asking God for help. I remember looking at the calendar that night, October 1st. I went to my room. I went up to the roof of my sorority house. Sitting alone, I looked at the, at the, at the dark sky and cynically said, all right, God, I know I need to make some changes. And if you really want me to follow you, show me how. Most of the people I hung out with at SC weren't what you call active Christians. These, wimmers, these, these winners were all swimming in the same lukewarm Christian kiddie pool I was in. So you can, you can understand why I was a little bit concerned on how God would answer me. 
I saw no messengers in sight, except for one. But remember, it only takes one spark to light a fire. And on October 6th, the Lord so blatantly answered my prayer that I had no choice but to stop doubting him and denying him in my my own life. I knew Amy Congo was a Christian in the same way that you know I'm Italian. She wasn't perfect, but consistent in in her following of Christ. Above all, she exuded God's love simply in everything she said and did. Amy always encouraged her wandering faith, my wandering faith, offering rides almost every Sunday. But it was, she had a certain unexplainable magnetism about her that when she came, when she came to invite me to Cayman's, the Cayman's Call concert that night with her and a few others, it was so clear that she was delivering me a message. But more specifically, God was using her to, to deliver my message. While riding in the car with Amy, Garrett, Melissa, Aaron, and Brian, I couldn't help but look at the faces in the car and wonder, how can you use this people to know you, God? I just, I don't get it. I've since learned not to doubt the Lord of all creation. That night, as I stood amongst the motley crew I came with, I noticed they were all, in, and they all had that same unexplainable magnetism as Amy did. In the middle of that Cadence Call concert, things just clicked. And I gave the Lord, the Lord gave me a glimpse of joy. Amy, Garrett, Melissa, and Brian exuded Christ, each in their own special way. All I knew was that I wanted that joy in my life, too. It was the first time I'd felt such an overwhelming conviction to not only devote my life to the Lord, but walk and live in Him daily, remaining in His Word. The next morning, I opened the pages of my very first devotional. Coincidentally, the passage John 15, verses 4 through 7, was my, was my reading that day. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Ironic, huh? The Lord was honoring his promise to me, and so our relationship began. Our relationship with Christ is developed just like any other. It's awkward when you first meet, and the initial conversation may even seem forced. But then, just like any other friend, the more time you spend with him, the the more you can on him, the more you confide in him. Until eventually, they become such a part part of your identity, it seems unnatural if you don't spend together daily. You feel incomplete. That is why my daily devotionals are so important to me now. They give me eyes to see the world as the Lord wants me to see it. And to stay in tune with what he has planned for my day, not just what Tony has planned for her day. If if, If I'm not in the word, I know I'll be missing out on the blessings that he has for me. Orchestrating his sovereign plan, I now trust he's got my best interests at heart, and I follow where he leads me. Hey, I don't, I don't know about you, but if I have, if, if I was having all access passed to heaven isn't enough, the Lord also gives us a group of amazing friends. I've, I've known, I know all of you non-believers out there are thinking, hey, where can I sign up? But wait, there's more. Not only are these groups of individuals amazing, but they are also equally witty, intelligent, and encouraging. Each time I'm around them, I feel like the best version of myself. I've known, I've, I, if, none of these, if none of you have these friends, I, remember, I recommend you picking some up the next time you're at Ralph's. And, <laughs> it's such a comfort as well. It's such a comfort to feel as if a secret master of ceremonies has been working in my life. Christ, who said to his disciples, Yet you have not, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, is saying to my group of friends, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. I've learned that I've learned that friendship is the instrument by which God shows each of us the beauties of all the others. By friendship, God opens our eyes to them, and then in good friendships, increased 
by him through the friendship itself. C.S. Lewis best described the gift of such accountable Christian friendships that, as I am blessed with. In perfect friendship, this appreciative love is, I think, often so great and so firmly based that each member of the circle in his secret heart is humbled before all the rest. Sometimes he wonders what he is doing there among his betters. He is lucky beyond desert to be in such company. Especially when the whole group, especially when the whole group is together, each bringing out the best, wisest, and funniest in all the others. When you can see God through the eyes of another, you can be sure that they are a pure gift of the Lord. I've been blessed with one particular friend who's actually away on a mission trip right now, who I'm, who I'm especially thanking, thank God for each day. He has generally taught me the true meaning of friendship through Christ. He has been more than a friend to me, fought away my enemies, and has simply spoken the truth over my life. Every time I leave him, I feel like I've been with God. He's blessed my, my life more than he'll ever know. And now, God has appointed me to produce fruit that will last. In this, I mean sharing my testimony, mentoring to others, giving of myself for the Lord. By standing here in front of you all today, you've given me a chance to give back a little to the Lord, to glorify him in the best, in the best way that I do through talking. Hey, don't laugh. We all have our spiritual gifts. By simply sharing with you what the Lord has done in my life, ironically, the Lord has taught me um, ironically, the Lord has taught me that the best way of taking care of my life through him is simply trusting him and letting go of the world. He could be asking you to do just the same. Thank you. Sometimes it feels on Student Sunday that we're in a courtroom because we keep parading witnesses up here. And uh, if any of you are lawyers out there and this is reaching out to you, I'm going to start a new church that just does this, that just continues to tell people what, what God is doing in our lives. Well, we're at the point of the service now where I always get up and I do a challenge to the graduates. So at this point, I would like to have all the graduates just stand so we can recognize them and give them a big hand and say, we're glad you're done. You guys can go ahead and sit down. As I challenge the graduates this morning, perhaps some of this challenge might challenge you as well. I'm not sure if any of you have done this very much. Um, Perhaps you haven't been in as much therapy as I have. But there's something that we do sometimes in therapy that's name association. I say something, and you say the very first thing that comes to your head. If you said to me, morning, I would say vanilla latte, like that. If you said to me, lunch, I would say frappuccino, like that. If I said to you, dinner, you would say, he's addicted, like that. And it's, it's really those types of things that uh, what we have on our mind, what we think about, that is how we respond to things. This morning, my challenge to the graduates is for us to take a look at what those things are in our life that make us respond in certain ways. This last Tuesday, I was laying on the floor in my son's room. It was about 8.30 at night. He was in bed. He's about a year and a half old. I was laying on the floor next to his crib, and I was holding his hand. That's our nighttime ritual. He likes me to hold his hand so he can fall asleep. Well, Danielle walks into the room, and she walks over to his crib, and she says, Soren, do you want a baby brother or a baby sister? 
I immediately knew what she was saying, and I looked up at her, and he stood up and started screaming, and because uh, he didn't want to be in this crib. And I said, family hug, and, uh, you know, grabbed everybody on the floor, and Daniel was telling me she was pregnant, and I'm laying there on the floor. I know. Um, I'm laying there on the floor, and we're doing a group hug, and I'm doing this. I'm going June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January, February. As soon as I get to February, you know what the first thing that hit me in the head was? Midterms. That is what I was thinking. Because I had been a student in seminary for so long, that is the way my life thinks. That's the way I think about things, is in terms of quarters and midterms and finals. A couple years ago, my mom called me. Uh, when I was in college, I went to a Christian school, and I, my first year at college uh, was very much a growing experience. Well, she called me and uh, at the beginning of my sophomore year, very first day, and she said, I need to let you know some things about your dad, some things that he's hurt us horribly, the family. And my parents separated at that point. And I remember the very first thing that went through my mind when my mom told me this it was not hate, it was not anger. The very first word that went through my mind was forgiveness. And so I called my dad, and it was only, I believe, only because God had brought me to a point that first year that I was ready to do that. Well, if you think to the Bible, we've got great examples of that. Jesus, in the book of Luke, right at the end, when he's being crucified, what does he say to God? He says, God, forgive them. He also says to the person being crucified next to him, today you'll be in heaven. In all of this pain, he has his father's thoughts on his mind. Well, this morning, the challenge to the graduates and to the congregation, is that we might be a people who would have God on our mind constantly and consistently. And because we are in Student Sunday, there's a test. The test for you as you drive home today is to think about some of the things that have come up in your life. Maybe it's a big issue, a loss of a job, a death of someone in your family, a relational problem. Maybe like Brian Devonshire, our junior high intern, your car broke down on the way here this morning and you're still stuck in Pomona. But maybe you can take a look at something like that in your life and you can say, how did I respond? Was my response anything to do with God? Was the way I look at it have anything to do with my faith? Anything to do with Jesus? Or was it something else? I kiddingly said in the video that we showed when the kayak flipped that God was not on my mind. Well, that's very true until uh, we got to the bottom and I said, God, I'm not going back in that kayak again. And uh, they made me get right back in. But my challenge to all of you this morning is to just take a look at your life. And uh, fortunately for a lot of you who are graduating, you're stuck spending four more years with me. For those of you that are graduating from the college group, uh, unless you have a real job, you're stuck here at Bel Air with the deacons ministry supporting you. For those of you, for those of you that are graduating from high school, you know, you have a place here and you have a home here. And we want to welcome you back every time you come home. So graduates, go ahead and stand up again, all of you that are graduating. If you are near a graduate, go ahead and just put your hand on them. If they look really poor, just slip money in their pockets. And uh, we want to take just a moment to pray for the graduates. And uh, I want to thank you as a church, that you are a church that supports youth ministry, and you're a church that loves students. Uh, we have all day in the first service and in this service really felt that this church is a place where students can come and regardless of what they wear or what they look like or who they are, that this is a place that they can be loved. God, we thank you for what you do. Father, for the place that Bel Air is, that uh, it is a place where people can come, students can come, and they can find you. 
God, as we've talked this morning uh, about what it has meant to both grow up here and what it has meant to be sent out from here, God, I pray that we as a church would be a body that continues to love those that are apart and those that are not a part of us. God, let us be a light in Los Angeles. And as we continue to minister to hurting people, God, I pray that this church would be seen as a place where they can come and they can be welcomed. God, we specifically pray for these graduates now, Father, that you would be leading them. And that those that may not know what they're doing, God, that they would seek you. And that in seeking you, God, they might find. And God, that they would be mindful that they need to remain in you. And God, that by remaining in you, um, they would find your direction. And that that direction would include peace. In your name we pray. Amen.